sit on down if you can. I've got an announcement to make. You're still here. God's love wakened you this morning. And we're so glad he did. Now, here's the question. Why? Why are you still here? Why are you, wherever you are, why are you still here? See, there's a reason. We don't have an accidental God. God made you for a purpose. And not many of us know what that purpose is. And all of us have not yet fulfilled that purpose or we would not be here right now. Some of you think, I shouldn't even be here anyhow. I should have died by now. I I saw a guy last night just got out of prison not too long ago, worshiped with us in prison. I saw him again this morning, by the way. Can't get enough of this. And he just kept saying, I shouldn't even be here. But he is here because God has a reason for his life. God has a reason for our lives. You were made on purpose. You were made like you are on purpose. And the process we're in right now is to continue to discover what that purpose is and to see God, watch this, every day in every place and hear him in every conversation so that we know that he's walking into our purpose with us. That's what the kingdom is. The kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is within you. We live according to the king. So we're in this series. There are almost 4,000 of us now that are going through this, you know, kingdom series. And, and if you missed this one, we got another one coming up for Lent. And what it's doing is retraining us to think with the mind of Christ, to see as Jesus sees. We need to be retrained because we've lived according to the world for so long. I want to talk to you this morning about rehabilitation. Somebody went out last night and said, you sure you don't mean restoration? Yeah, I'm really sure. And let me tell you why. This, and, and, and um, uh, Kaylee mentioned it, this confession. By the way, confession in the scriptures means speaking what God speaks. There's a, there, the, in Greek, it's homo logeo. Homo means same, logeo means speech. It, it's, it's saying what God says. To confess then is not a negative thing. It's a positive thing. To repent, to turn from that which breaks us is not a negative thing. It's a positive thing. Shouldn't be associated with shame, although sometimes we do get ashamed. And I understand that. But it's not to link us with shame. It's to have us walk away from it. We belong to a crooked generation. We're in a crooked world. We've learned to walk in crooked ways. But that's not who we are, really. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 15, Prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. We have done some things that have made us crooked and we have 
imitated the world in ways that have made us perverse. And the first thing we need to do is to come out of that, not as a matter of shame, but as a matter of freedom. This week I went to see a facility here in Seminole County. I won't name it because it's a lockdown facility and I don't want you just going up there knocking on the door. But it's a tremendous helping facility for physically abused children. I've got to tell you, I'm not going to be able to get through this very well because it kills me to think of abusing a child physically. I mean, it just... And they wanted me to see how, what happened to a child when they, when they came into that place, usually brought by law enforcement. And so they told me the story of this older teenage girl who had been abused, abused for years and years by her parents. And they took me in the room and they let me talk to the person who does a, what they call a forensic interview. That's where you get the information that has to do with the details of the abuse so that it can be gathered for legal pursuit. And then they took me to the medical person who's a part of our congregation. And she told me about the examination that happens in that room. And she told me about examining this girl. Both the old scars and the new wounds. And when they do that, they have to take pictures. She said there were so many scars on this girl, she couldn't count them. You're supposed to count them. She couldn't count them. After that many years of being abused, and you know, if you're abused long enough, you start to think, well, I must deserve it. It's a part of the mentality of a crooked and perverse generation. She had to take pictures. And I thought, how embarrassing for this little girl. And then I went to the next person who was the advocate who saw this girl through this process. And and she said, you know, I asked her how she felt when she was having those pictures taken. And the girl surprised me. And she said, with each picture, I felt the scars disappearing. Do you understand what repentance is? Do you understand what it is to come out of abuse? Even when that abuse, not in this case, but in some of our cases, is self-inflicted. It's not about shame. It's about getting free. It's about leaving those scars behind. That's what the Bible means when it says repentance. But even as we leave those behind, there's a whole process that we got to learn to live a new life. Because so many have been abused for so long or abused themselves for so long that that's the normal processing that we do in our brains. And God needs to rewire our brains 
so that we can live according to the kingdom, according to the greatness he made us for. And that's part of the process we're in right now. After repentance, there needs to be a reorientation to where our focus is not anymore on that which will hurt us, but that which will help us. This is how Jesus put it. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, he went and as he walked in the beginning of the gospel of Mark, he said, the time is fulfilled. Some of you, I don't care where you are in the world, I don't care what your condition is, some of you have had enough. You've had enough of the old life. You've had enough of debasement. You've had enough of hatred. You've had enough of anger. You've had enough of demeaning. You've had enough of disrespect. The time is fulfilled for you, and you're ready to make a change. Well, the kingdom of God is at hand. There's a better way. You can't make a change just quitting something. You can't make a change without quitting something. But you can't make a change with just quitting something. There's got to be something better. There's got to be something you go to. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And when the world believe, says believe, it means live in a new world. We just sang a song. I need thee. Oh, I need thee every hour. I need thee. I was at the uh, National Prayer Breakfast last week with Becky. I love that event. We've gone for 10 years. It's always my pleasure to pray for our country. It's my honor to pray for our new president and all of those who are now in leadership. And the one who gave the talk this year is a friend of mine. He's the chaplain of the Senate, Barry Black. He's a retired rear admiral. And he is this African-American who has the voice of God. And, and, he, and he got up. He's a very distinguished gentleman with his bow tie. And he said, you know, there's prayer happening right now in Washington but I want you to know, and this is a four, 140 countries represented in this, in this room. I want you to know that there's prayer every week for our government, for our elected officials, by our elected officials. I want you to know that every, I think it was Wednesday morning, there's a group in the House of Representatives that get together and they have a Bible study and they begin and they end with prayer. And in the Senate, there's a group of senators that get together for a Bible study and they begin and they end with prayer. He said, I want you to know that every Friday, now I knew about those first two, I didn't know about this. The Thursday, chiefs of staff get together for a Bible study, beginning and end with prayer. Friday, Friday, all of the staff 
who want to participate in a Bible study. The Capitol Police, the janitors, the waiters and the waitresses, all of the service personnel who want to participate get together for a Bible study and they pray. And they pray. I want you to know that what I bring to you, according to Philippians chapter 4, verse 22, are greetings from the saints that are in Caesar's household. Because there are saints in Caesar's household. We pray for our government like there weren't any Christians there. God's already embedded Christians there. And then Chaplain Black said this. He said, you know where the real power lies? It's not in the office. It's not before the cameras. See, everybody tries to gain the attention of people, thinking if they can just get enough attention, if there's just enough cameras there, and they can get enough attention, they can make their case before men. That's how, not how things get done. We don't need to be heard by men. We need to be heard by God. We don't need to be heard on earth. We need to be heard in heaven because that's how things change. We need to switch our orientation. Jesus put it like this, Matthew six thirty three. Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. You, may, you remember what he was saying when he said, he said, I know, I know you've got all kinds of practical worries. You worry about it every day. Some of you are worried about money. Some of you are worried about time. Some of you are worried about your health. Some of you are worried about our country. I know you're worried about a whole bunch of stuff. Don't you know that God knows what you're worried about? Don't you know that God's already taken care? Seek first God and all the rest will be added unto you. We need to be heard in heaven. And we need to, part of our rehabilitation, part of our, part of our coming out of that which has injured us is to pay attention to only that which can help us. No, that only which can help us. <laughs> it says in James, and this is, this is a, another point that Chaplain Black made for us all. It says, when we don't have something, it's because we haven't asked for it. You do not have because you do not ask. Some, some woman right down here, I can't remember her name, a few weeks ago I was talking about something. He said, she said, I want, you, I want to send you a story. Some of you have heard this story about this guy who dies and he goes to heaven. They're giving him a tour of heaven. You know, you heard, the, heard these. There's all kinds of these stories out. And, uh, and it's a comprehensive tour. I mean, they go everywhere. But he notices he keeps passing this one door that they don't take him in. And so at the end of the tour... Said, well, that's heaven. How'd you like it? He said, well, I liked it. It's wonderful. It's overwhelming. It's, it's grand. But 
what about this door? I'm, I'm just really curious. And, and the angel that's, that's taking a, guiding, making the guidance to her, he said, oh, it's, it's not important. He said, well, it's kind of, I'm curious. He said, no, no, it's not even relevant now. But he said, could I see inside the room? Well, I, I, I don't know that you, that you even want to, you know, because it just doesn't matter. But I, I really ask you, would you just let me see? So the angel shrugs his shoulders and, you know, opens up the room. And he goes in, there's all these wonderful gifts. And he goes around and he starts to check them out. And each of those gifts has his name on them. And he said, what is this? And the angel said, that's all the stuff God had for you, but you never asked for it. You understand how important this is to ask God because we limit ourselves when we won't ask God. And so this repentance leads to rehabilitation. Now, another reason I like this term is because rehabilitation happens with a team. It doesn't happen just with you. Restoration can happen because God just gives something back to you. Repentance can happen because you just decide, I'm sick of this, I'm not doing this anymore, and God, God's going to help me walk in a new way. But rehabilitation, you don't rehabilitate yourself. There are people who are walking along with you because there are some of us that will never recover from what we've done. We'll walk for the rest of our lives with a limp. All of us have those regrets. You remember Jacob who wrestled with the angel and he wouldn't give up until he got a blessing. He got the blessing, but he was injured in the process. And he walked with a limp always after. Some of us, because we are wrestling with the angels, will get that blessing, but we'll walk with a limp. For the rest of our lives, thinking, oh, I could have had this so much sooner. Oh, I could have done this so much better. There will always be regrets. That's why we need each other. To remind ourselves, that's not where we live. That's not even us now. I had a buddy of mine come to see me this week. He's a guy I played football with in high school. Our team has stayed very close all these years, and he's just one of the most wonderful guys. He was, he was a man's man. He was a defensive end, one of our few big guys, fierce guy, but always the most wonderful, gentle, kind soul when he wasn't in a football uniform. He said, I got to talk to you about something spiritual. I said, come on. So he drove for hours. Come see me. He was still carrying the Vietnam War with him and what he had done as a soldier. He could still see the people he had to kill. And he was wondering if God could forgive him 
because you didn't feel like God could. And I said to him, you believe in Jesus Christ? He said, oh yeah. He said, do you believe that he forgives all the sins? When we ask, he said, oh, I do. He was doing what so many of you do. When you believe that God can forgive everybody else, but not you. Somehow not you. And you continue to punish yourself. And you continue to live in that regret and that pain. Almost 50 years. He hadn't gone to church because he didn't feel worthy. He longed to take communion, but he didn't feel worthy. I said, brother, that's what communion is. It's for all of us who aren't worthy. That's the whole idea. He said, I just don't feel like he can forgive me. I said, I'm not going to tell you his name. I hope I won't slip. I said, there seems to be two opinions about you. Yours and God's. Now, which one are you going to believe? Well, his his eyes kind of got big. I said, Jesus Christ says you're forgiven. Jesus Christ paid the whole price for your forgiveness. And he applies it to you. You believe in Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. Therefore, God says you're forgiven. Now, are you going to correct God? He started grinning. He said, you know, my drive home is going to be way different than my drive here. Fifty years of living in that and not understanding the grace of God for himself. Fifty years, but watch this. When we were talking, we were talking about the war. And God bless you people in the service. God bless you people in the armed forces and those of you who lay down your life. God bless you for what you've had to see and what you've had to do for our freedom and for our safety. God bless you. Some of you still carry that pain with you. And I want you to know that we lift you up even when you can't lift yourself up. But he was talking about the war and he said, you know, when we were in Vietnam, we knew it wasn't a good war. It wasn't like the World War II. We knew there were oil interests. We knew that the, the cause was. I said, well, what did you feel like you were fighting for? He said, it's real easy. I was fighting for the guy on my left and the guy on my right. I was willing to die to protect them. I wasn't fighting for a great cause. You know, as I've, as I've researched World War II, most of the soldiers that went to World War II went to protect the people they loved and the people that loved them. When we talk about rehabilitation and walking through this healing process, 
that will, that will go like it needs to go, not because it's a great cause, but because we have people on our right and our left that we want to do this for them. That's what, it, that's what a group does. That's what friends are for. And so we need to think differently. This isn't about being your version of good or even your version of God's version of good. This is about joining a new community for a new life. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 and 16. A natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him, foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But we have the mind of Christ. What does that mean? It means that when you become a Christian, you are given the capability of appraising all things. Now watch. That means seeing all things like God sees them. Hearing from God in all things. Loving all people like God loves them. Serving all people like Jesus would serve them. You say, man, I I don't know if I can do that. Well, you can't like you are. This takes rehabilitation. This takes a whole different mentality than one we've gained in the natural world by the culture that is around us. And that's why these training programs are so important. And that's why we need to be realigned with God. Jesus taught us that prayer. Remember in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right now, there's a break between, in the natural world, in the sin world, there's a break between heaven and earth. In order for that, for, for the, his kingdom to come, we have to realign that break. I don't know if any of you ever had a broken bone. Where, I mean, it just was a, was a fracture. I mean, it just, the bone went, you know, any other bones coming here, you know? You know what the doctor has to do, right? He has to reset the bone. Reset the bone. And when he resets the bone, then it can begin to heal and build other kinds of attachments around that bone so that it can become stronger. Do you know what the, if you're in the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, you know what that's called? It's not called healing. It's not called fixed. It's not called remedy. It's called, listen to this, reducing, no, fracture reduction. (laughs) Fracture reduction. What it's saying is there will always be evidence that there's an old injury there. You know what we have in our life when we repent? Fracture reduction. There will always be evidence in our life that there's an old injury there. But when we realign our life with heaven, there's a healing that takes place. There's a strength that eventuates. The people around us that are helping us realign from that brokenness are helping in our fracture reduction. 
And we begin to see things like God sees them, and we begin to speak the same words as God. We begin to speak words that are healing, words that are, are, are loving, words that are, that, that, are, that are hopeful. We begin to identify things like God identifies them. What's it say in Romans chapter 10, verse 9? If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now remember, remember what I said about this word confess. Confess, homo legeo, means to say what God says. You know what it is when you say Jesus is Lord? You're saying exactly what God said about him. That's what God said about him. All right? What comes out of that? Salvation, the, 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 the Greek word for salvation literally means healing. To heal that which was separated. To align that which was out of line. That's what salvation means. It's a medical term. It's not a legal term. It's a medical term. So salvation shall be saved. All right? Salvation is this ongoing process. Where we are from day to day being rehabilitated to live in a different realm of reality. And that realm is the kingdom of God. And so I simply invite you to continue in your study. If you missed this study, hop into it with somebody else or hop into the next one. We got another one coming up at Lent. But as you do this, you will be retrained. There will be new neural pathways, literally, physiologically, in your brain. And the Spirit will lead you into all truth. Not just the world's truth, all truth. So that we can function at full capacity. That's the goal of rehabilitation. After an injury, after a brokenness, we we want to function at our full capacity in the role God has given us. We're on our way, and we're on our way together. Would you stand? Amen. Now, let me, let me, I'm going to pray, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pause at the beginning of this prayer, and I'm going to give you just a few moments to have the Holy Spirit identify for you an area of confession you need to make before God. An area where you are be, being broken or you're injuring yourself or you're injuring someone else. And this morning, even as we stand here, even as wherever you are, I want you to identify that area and repent of that area. Walk away from it. Because God will start a rehabilitation process with us all as we do that. Okay? So let pray with me. Lord, we know we are broken people living in a broken world. But that doesn't satisfy us. We are in pain. We are frustrated. Help us to come out of that which injures us 
and injures others through us. Holy Spirit, right now, identify for us in our lives an area we need to walk away from. A situation we need to walk away from. A brokenness we need to walk away from. Now let us picture Jesus and let us walk toward him. He has his arms wide open. He has this beautiful smile on his face. And help us to picture others around us who will encourage us and hold us up on that walk. We repent. Help us be rehabilitated. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.